1: I, boy, so a boy,
0: best with a I enjoy that show when I watch it, but doesn't have it, it, does, it doesn't to feel it. urgent, does it? No,
2: <laughs> but Supergirl, I've really been enjoying. Uh, I I pretty much binge season two, and I'm like I think, like just and six, that's, maybe six issues behind, six episodes behind now.
0: Yeah, and that's what that's why I have to I have to be in season two, and then season three. The problem is now at this point, and I'm feeling like I got so behind on Black Lightning. The same thing is, well, I just have to uh, wait till it shows up on Netflix ten days after the season ends. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's okay. It's just so doggone much, always. So, yes, as we always say that. Uh, hey, this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting. On something of that, we apologize. I, this has been a little delayed because, uh, of course, podcasting, we're remote. We're in two separate places because this is being produced in quarantine by... The, podca-
2: <laughs> the podcaster in the in the plastic bubble.
0: <laughs> that's it. Rick like Brett John S- Rolda, oh. you don't have to actually show up. Okay, go ahead. Say it yourself again.
2: I'm Rick Brett Snyder, and Rick my voice S- is silky smooth when I'm not coughing.
0: I can I, uh, Unfortunately, I can still hear that you're sick, and I'm sorry that you... This sounded
2: like this was a bad one. This was an awful one. This uh, it's this is the eighth day. I'm not really even feeling like I should go out in public yet. So,
0: Which is why we are in two separate locations, even though we are in the same... County, yes, right, are. right, yes. yes. I mean, no time traveling, no anything. We are in the same place, the same county. But I uh, thought there's probably like a, what a three second delay from talking to each other. And before we do anything else, let's hear from this week's sponsor, which is BayCon 2018.
3: BayCon 2018 returns this Memorial Day weekend, Friday, May 25th, through Monday, May 29th. To the San Mateo Marriott San Francisco Airport for its 36th year as the longest fan-run science fiction and fantasy convention in the San Francisco Bay Area. This year's theme is Patchwork Fandom, Stitching the Generations Together, and will focus on costuming and programming items aimed at connecting younger and older generations of SFF fandom through shared interests. Baycon's writer guest of honor is Tamara Pierce, recipient of 2013's Margaret A. Edwards Award for *The Song of the Lioness* and *Protector of the Small Quartets*. Her newest novel, *Tempest and Slaughter*, has just been released in hardcover and ebook. Baycon 2018 will also welcome artist guest of honor Margaret Organ Keene, fan guest of honor Christopher J. Garcia, and toastmaster M. Todd Gallaglass. Come join us for a weekend of fun and fandom. Get your membership at www.baycon.org.
0: Well, we'll be there at Baycon. Very excited about, about yeah. that. And Are you course, on panels? I'm on panels. Uh, I assume so. You know, I don't know until they tell me. I, I filled out some things uh, and said, yes, I'd be on that. And, oh, hey, I suggested that one. I'd love to be on that one. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, and, and Kid Macaw was uh, very excited as well, to uh, to go back this year's, which I thought was a good, I think that's a tribute to, if you can get a, uh, well now, 14-year-old boy who is, you know, not as into fandom, excited to go to a convention because he was really drawn in by the panels he got to go to, and not necessarily the ones you'd think, like, the you know, the ones that were interesting discussions about the world, he was really drawn into. Wow. So, Great. There's some really cool stuff going on. And uh, so when I said, yeah, uh, we may be going back to Bacon this year. And he said, oh, good. I don't have homework because he's you know graduating from eighth grade. So he says, by that time, he'll be all done. He goes, so I don't have to stay in the hotel room and do work. I can actually really participate. And I thought, wow. So um, that's how cool these smaller cons can be. And Bacon is definitely one of the coolest. So. Uh, of course, in addition to them as sponsors, uh, if there's anything we talk about on ton- tonight 's podcast that uh, you'd like to purchase for your very own and uh, you can do so legally and you can 't find it at your local brick and mortar store. you can of course use the handy dandy Amazon link that is on each and every page of fanboy planet uh, there's a search box sometimes we have direct links as well in in articles and so forth uh, as well uh, you can also use the think geek box and uh, shop through there. Uh, as we say, Easter's coming up. It's, Think Geek is always dangerous for geeks because there's always something cool. Just got an email this week that one of our uh, Christmas uh, gift recommendations has been restocked. That would be the Thor tool set. The owner oh that opened up, <laughs> they had sold out, and they've got them back in stock. So, whoo uh, Anyway, so if, you know, if you're thinking about it, there it is. And, uh, of course, if you would just like to... Uh, to donate directly to help defray the cost of uh, hosting a podcast and a website, you can, of course, go to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And I know that at some point, we're going to say something that you're like, I, I have a different opinion. You know, so there it is. And uh, this is part two uh, I feel like of an ongoing series of, of Cinequest 2018, which wrapped up a week ago. Cinequest got Rick sick. I'm totally just going to blame Cinequest I, you know, for the heck of it, because yeah. you you were everywhere doing everything, and you just ran yourself down, Sport. I know you did. So that, that that's that's what I did too, but somehow I didn't get sick. Uh, but it was tons of fun, and we still have some more interviews, which uh, we'll get to after we do a little bit of comics news, movie, and TV. And uh and I say it's part two because I think we're still there are a couple of uh filmmakers that are on the West Coast that we said, Yeah, you know, why don't we just bring you in live for a conversation a little a little bit down the road since they had to leave uh Cinequest before we could really sit down and record. Uh so there will still be some filmmakers in the next couple of weeks uh, that we'll we'll be talking to. And uh in particular, I you know, I, I don't know if we can confirm it, but I, I don't mind saying that you know, certainly enjoyed that short film "Souls of Totality," and I yeah, think that yeah. there was a there was a vague offer on the table to see if we could make a conversation happen on the podcast. So I think uh, we, you know we'll follow up on that um, and see if we can. If, that was
2: the one with Titania... Uh, with Titania Maslany, Maslany yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, I just saw that it got accepted into another major film festival, and you know, it's that's the other positive thing I'll say out of CineQuest is is so many of the filmmakers I met and so many of the films we saw are go are going places. They're showing up at, at film festivals, and and you know, there's quality work that there's a chance for people to to see it. And as I made every short filmmaker promise, like tell me when you've put it up on vimeo or youtube so we can host it on fanboy planet because you know this one's too cool to not show up whatever it was there were several that were just too cool to just sort of fade away so I uh, hope that we will be able to host some of those in the months to come so let's talk some comics shall we we should uh <laughs> the i have to put this here because i think it most closely ties Normally we put toys at the end but i think everybody's worried about their action figure supply that this week Toys R Us announced (laughs) that they were closing uh, all their U.S. stores. After saying they were just going to close some, they just went on Wednesday, boom, no, we're out. Uh, So they're closing all their stores in the United States and in the U.K. I believe there are some that are because of international ownership laws and perhaps different ways that – this is high finance. If If I understood it, I wouldn't be doing a comic book podcast podcast but you know that because of like who owns things what internationally there will be toys r us's i think still open in canada and maybe some in europe and asia not a 100 percent sure so please don't quote me on that but but they wouldn't be exactly the same they're, they're owned by partially owned by other companies and that's why they're able to stay stay open but the exciting thing and this really is just in because it just popped up on on my feed of all places from LinkedIn a company called Strategic Marks LLC it, uh, announced this week that they're stepping in because so many toy manufacturers I mean we can make light of it but this could be a serious blow to thing people are talking about you know Barbie Mattel and Hasbro in particular yeah. because I can joke about the action figures play but really that's where a lot of people got their action you know their a, a lot of toys and a lot of brands from like those big ones and smaller companies, uh, you know, the, the Toys R Us had picked up, well, who's going to sell their
2: toys now? Well, and, who, where do you, where are you going to go to buy a jungle gym set now? You know, it's not just small toys. It's, it's things that, you know, kids. No, 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 That's true. That
0: is, that is very, that is very true. I, I, I never did. So I can't say, because to me, and I think you and Chris Garcia and I talked about this and Nate Costa, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago about how, well, what I remember was Kitty World, because that's where you can see Jungle Jim out in their their pot, which is now, I think, uh, Barnes & Noble on Stevens Creek. But anyway, uh, so KB Toys is coming back, thanks to Strategic Marks LLC. And they announced they were stepping in to fill that void, and they had already been planning to come back, but now they're trying to go into overdrive to make sure that they have stores open Again, in time for Christmas 2018. And so they're accelerating their plans. Please, I do not know any details about this, but you can. They Actually, were
2: primarily a mall store. They they weren't. They didn't have any separate buildings the way K- Toys R Us does. And, you know, a lot of our... Uh, li- that,
0: is, that is not true. Really? They were primarily mall stores around here where everything was primarily malls. They came in, but there were separate KB KB stores.
2: Oh, I never and, saw one. Okay. Well,
0: I, I know, but you were in California. This is a, I always remember, we are in a very unique bubble. There were okay. places where, where it was, uh, and certainly, you know, strip mall things. I thought that at one point uh, the big one that became a Chuck E. Cheese might have also spent a little bit of time after it was toy. Oh, I don't remember what. It was a huge toy store, and I think KB took it over briefly and then it couldn't make it because that place was too big. But here's the thing, and this is why, is that they're appealing first on LinkedIn to Toys R Us employees. That one of the reasons they want to accelerate uh-huh. is to say, like, well, we know it's going to take a few months before Toys R Us completely liquidates, if you, and we know who has experience selling toys. So apply with us. Right. And so, you know... I, I don't know. It's been so long since I'd gone into a Toys R Us, honestly, and it's just because my son, uh, my youngest child, uh, about two years ago, was like, I don't want toys anymore. You know, and once Disney stopped making Infinity the game, we really didn't have anything in there because I just don't have space for action figures, and, and, and he didn't really want them anymore. And we'd get Legos occasionally, but I think that's kind of dimming with him a little bit. And, um, you know, so it's been a while, but I did feel like near the tail end there, I was meeting, I was seeing people at the toy stores that were very helpful, very knowledgeable. I wouldn't say I had my regular toy guy or my Infinity guy, but I, I you know, I started getting to know them on a, if not a first name basis, at least we recognized each other with a nod. Ah, uh, yeah, so the new Infinity figures in. You know, so if you have a favorite person there, you know, it's quite possible they will land on their feet at. KB Toys and I'm I'm excited for this because I've been reading all this stuff in the way in, in the wake of Toys R Us announcing their closing that well local toys or small toy stores are doing really well but I'm not positive that like around here in the San Jose area that I could name a small independent toy store like the wooden horse in Los Gatos
2: in Los Gatos yeah Hickleby's Harry Sum Toys in, in Willow Glen well, and I think that maybe that's near. my
0: problem. I think of those places. I, I think of Hickleby's as a bookstore. Yeah. So I, I there's no. And I thought, well, maybe like I guess to some extent, some comic shops, the Elusive Comics and Games, has games and mm-hmm. has started carrying a lot more action figures. I just don't think that that has been very cost effective for any comic book store because of the markup you have to by go, have to use by going through Diamond.
2: Yeah, I think think a lot of them aren't carrying action figures so much as the Funko Pop stuff.
0: uh, Yeah, there's that too. So, which Toys R Us was doing. So it's it's just interesting. And and if anybody, especially in San in the uh, Santa Clara County, South Bay area, uh, can tell me, like, uh, you forgot about this this toy store. Like, the Wooden Horse is good, but I I would not have gone to the Wooden Horse for action figures. No, I would have gone to it for the Brio stuff, the wood stuff. You know more i always think of it as more educational toy and high quality plush fair, toy fair number of board games but i also think of those things as really more of a high end you know mm-hmm. it, it, it's more of a boutique thing the mass market stuff is what i what i'd be saying you know you go to target and you go to walmart now for barbie for your justice league figures for whatever marvel legends uh even for legos and then lego has their own stores although you know where they again the really cool legos go so, uh,
2: well, that's that's one of those differentiators, because if you're having this, if you're carrying the same stuff people can buy on Amazon, um, you're, you're not giving them a reason to come, but if you're buying stuff that you have chosen from individual vendors that don't necessarily have the same kind of, uh, permanent penetration in the market that somebody who gets into Amazon does, um, that's why wooden hose is still around because they do sell well, unique toys. And I'd say
0: I, I I'd say the same same thing again. If people wanted to point to Amazon as the reason Toys R Us uh, went out, a bit, is going out of business, but it's not. It, it's I think I read it something like oh, really only about a ten percent dent. And if you went to Amazon, you were going you they were getting their toys from Toys R Us. So it, it's uh, it was a debt load thing, and once again, it goes into uh, very complicated things about finance. But it's Bain Bain Capital had bought them out and saddled them with debt. And I will say out of the politics of it, because I, I don't think that's fair of certain um, major political figures who were involved with Bain Capital at one time, because I think he was long gone when this happened. But that you know the, that was it, that Toys R Us was basically as a company was having to pay off debt that really hadn't originally been theirs. No. And and so, you know, they can't do it. So I would like a good store with reasonably priced even the stuff you can get someplace else because I like to see it and as we say I, I like you know despite saying hey go on to Amazon th- for fanboy planet uh, I do like to support local stores when I can and I and more and more as these big stores go out of business I consider biz- big stores local stores because locals are working in them I want people yeah. to have jobs so you know that's that's that let's get off that and get into the fun stuff of actually being able to spend money which is what's in the bag each week we talk about uh, we choose three three books from our stack at Con- the Con- local comic shop, and uh, to either recommend or say, "Ooh, every now and then, you might want to stay away from this one." But I think I'll bet this week is largely this ooh, is- you're going to like it.
2: Yeah. So I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, so you you say we, things you can spend your money on, but my the first one is free because what I picked up this week. On the counter at my local comic shop.
0: Jinx, Wo- we should say that.
2: Hijinx Comics in Willow Glen. Okay, yes. The World of Krypton, number one, which is actually, and, and it's free from DC Comics, and right. it's actually a reprint of the 1987 World of Krypton comic that was done by, uh, by Byrne and Magnolia. John Byrne,
0: Mike Mignola.
2: And Rick Bryant, and... Uh, and i had forgotten what a beautiful book this was and it was like the best of of 80s uh 80s work um the paneling is open and you know there there are a lot of panels that aren't really panels just open spaces on the page that are kind of buffeted by panels around them um this is a story of the ancient times of krypton the the history of the family l and it was uh it was a good little mini series. As I recall, I don't know if they're going to do more than issue one. Uh, hopefully, no, hopefully. If you they, know.
0: Huh? <laughs> no, because they want you to, uh, read issue one and then watch Krypton on right. sci-fi starting this week, which so, has many of the same characters.
2: Right. So after the, uh, after the comic reprint, then they have, I guess it's about uh, six or eight, maybe eight. Uh, photo pages of the different houses that will be in uh in the in krypton the world of krypton and it's kind of confusing because they have one opening page where they show all five of the houses and one of them's wearing a hoodie and a baseball cap so i don't i don't i don't get that one
0: that's adam strange
2: oh is that adam strange
0: it might be i'm just i i just want to get it's a
2: very young adam strange then Oh, um,
0: if it's a kid, it's then a it's kid. not Adam Strange, no. You then, know, it yeah. looks
2: kind of like Jeff Johns, <laughs> it really does. You can't see Oh, jeez, I almost others. spit
0: Coke Zero all over my comics.
2: Yeah, no, you, you look at it. Did you get
0: it? Did you get this one? You know, this is bizarre. I did not. I think because in my head I went, oh, I, I remember reading that. I had that somewhere. Yeah. So I just didn't bother with it, and I should have picked it up. Uh, and given it to Luke, yeah, but he was occupied by um, attack on Titan omnibuses that I got him for his birthday, so
2: no, uh, very nice cover, and um, the little photo photo article in the back is is worth reading too, and for free, you can 't beat that no you can 't buy the the price of free ninety nine is fantastic,
0: so uh holding the line at free would be great uh, so my uh, first book up uh, this is going to be a surprise it 's actually a second issue because I wanted to talk about the first issue, and then uh, we, whatever, I think that was when uh, I could not, it was like right up to episode 500 or right after 500, then we got into Cinequest. Um, This is Star Wars Thrawn number two, which is, I believe, an actual adaptation of the Timothy Zahn novel that came out uh, called Thrawn. But since I haven't had a chance to read that, I'm enjoying reading it in comic book form.
2: Is is Zahn given... Writer credit? Uh, let me adaptation? see how
0: exactly how that goes. Because
2: uh, it was. I mean, even for advertising, they would have done that.
0: No. Then I, I thought I'd read that he it was an adaptation, based on the novel by Timothy Zahn. Yes, there you it go. does. That. But it's written by Jody Hauser, and the artist is Luke Ross, and the colorist is New, Nolan Woodard. And I just, I I didn't know this Luke Ross as as an artist. I don't think I've ever seen anything by him before. I really like the look of it. It has kind of a classic, almost a gold key feel, but with modern production. So uh, I'm just enjoying it, one, because I've always, uh, Thrawn has always stuck in my head as a great character, and to actually see the origin, which again, I, I admit, freely admit, I could have read the novel, but I didn't. So I'm getting to enjoy this in comic form, and it's really a lot of fun dealing with his rise in the Empire and before the events of A New Hope, basically, because, you know, they haven't it, – it's still kind of – Palpatine is consolidating his power. And it's really cool with that, that added element of – I guess I'd somehow miss that Palpatine was a racist – and really oh, yeah.
2: no, that's, that's despises
0: aliens no. and then some but still that somehow Thrawn is this blue skinned creature and the only representative of his people in the Empire and you know that, that despite the racism of Palpatine he is one of Palpatine's favorites and yeah, that, so, that
2: was a Zahn original observation that just fit the universe that had been created oh, perfect, so far perfectly
0: perfect. so I, I, I'm just saying pick up this you can get it in the floppy editions. I'm sure there'll be a handsome trade paperback, but I'm really enjoying reading it in little, in little chunks, and because it, it's beautifully divided up. And each, each issue so far, too, have just felt like, oh, really good slices of, of an ongoing story involving Zon that you could pick up issue two and probably not be lost, <coughs> which I, I really appreciate, though I did read number one. So, next on your stack.
2: Next on my stack is a new a new imprint from Skybound, uh, Robert Kirkman's latest Oblivion song, uh, drawn by Lorenzo De, F- De Felici. Um, a
0: new title, Skybound. It's, is it, pardon me, an it's
2: an imprint of Skybound. The the yeah. title is Oblivion song. Um, the this is this is kind of the best of both worlds as far as uh, as far as apocalyptic stories go because what Kirkman, Kirkman has done is he's he's created a history of this catastrophic event where another dimension hit Earth. I'm assuming it's Earth. I think it's Earth. Um, and scooped up a bunch of people and took it back to the area where, um, where all the really bad monsters are. And the... The focus of this is, uh, is a hunter who goes through a portal into this monster world and tries to rescue the people who are still stuck over there. While the government is cares less and less about them every day, uh, there's a great scene where, after he's had a less than a satisfying discussion with the person who funds his operation... He goes uh, apparently to this memorial of all the people they lost in the incident, and scratches out the names of the ones he just saved, because otherwise the government isn't advertising the fact that he's saving people.
0: That he's able to cross back and forth between dimensions.
2: Well, it's that's not that's not a power or anything. That's there's, there's a way to do it, um, but he's just one of the people. He has he has a loved one who is unaccounted for. And there's the question of whether or not he's doing this because it's the right thing to do, or if he's still just searching for that person. Mm -hmm. And even to the point where when he finds dead humans on the other side, he gives them a nice, he gives them a, a decent burial, um, and records that he's found, found their corpse, you know? So, um, I don't know this, this is, and the art, uh, the art is really kind of loose. You know, when you think Kirkman, of course you think walking dead and you think, uh walking dead monsters it's it's a very different vibe in this art it's very loose and organic um uh you know the, the walking dead is loosely organic for an entirely different reason um that's just loose organics yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of like yeah um, oh,
0: organs i'm sorry yes go ahead
2: yeah so the uh so it's a it's a very decently thick book great paper uh 4 for issue 1 of oblivion song so.
0: Which is all right because it was actually last week. And was it? Yeah, oh. it was uh, because we were so. talking about it, and you said, "Oh, I want to, I want to do Oblivion Song," and <laughs> so oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, but it's worth mentioning. And the thing is, it has been selling out like crazy. So you know, I think it's going to a second printing. So it's it's one to pick up. Which you know, when Kirkman releases a book, that's what happens. People will go. Luckily, they are good, but people could jump on it because. They don't want to miss out on The Walking Dead, uh, the, the next you know, one from The Creator of, of Walking Dead, so there's a lot of speculation that goes in, but I have heard nothing but great things about it. I have it. I need to read it. Uh, next on my stack is Eternity Girl from Young Animal, which I picked up hoping, thinking rather that it was a riff on Kid Eternity, which was one of uh, my bizarrely favorite characters from the Fawcett uh, world. And it's really, uh, by the way, by Magdalene Visaggio and Sonny <coughs> Lou and I really like Sonny Lou as an as an artist. And talk about loose; it, it is it is loose and interesting, uh, in, in his, and cartoony in his work. Uh, but anyway, it is not actually so much Kid Eternity as it feels like. Do you remember the obscure Element Girl, the female version of Metamorpho? Right, right. Yeah. So she. Uh, it is not, I, I don't think it's the same uh, secret identity, It's that, but that she has been a secret government organization, uh, forces her into a transformation, so it leaves her with powers like, uh, somewhat like Metamorpho, but in a universe that really doesn't have a Metamorpho, uh, and the problem is now, after having faced the great foe that she was created to fight, she's having trouble just adjusting. She's tried to kill herself. She can't kill herself because her body keeps reforming, and yeah. and that uh, she also it is becoming more and more difficult to put on a human appearance. And so that you know that's that's right there at the beginning. And of course it's young animals, so there's kind of this weird, um, you know, it, it is purposely weird. But unlike some of them, I'm really I, I'm really intrigued. I think because it is so much like a like like a an elseworld's metamorpho story that i want to see where it goes so eternity girl i was i was pleased with
2: seems Next like story. that's the same problem that elastic girl had in in the doom patrol which is also a uh uh a uh young animal but input. she didn't
0: come back did she come back in the i uh, think
2: she did she wasn't a, a regular one but they they or i think it was early in the in the run um she exposed that she was having trouble maintaining her Continuity, or, 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 or I I think face.
0: I vaguely I, I vaguely recall that in Grant Morrison's, but I think in Young Animal, no, I just re- I just reread this the first six issues about a month ago, yeah. And she was she was not in there, but there have been another six. I just haven't haven't read those yet, and I'm still working my way through the Milk Wars. Yeah, we all remember the the horrible Milk Wars and the terrible toll it took.
2: The two percent
0: upon our calcium.
2: So, so my last book is, it was a toss up, but I, because I've, I had two candidates, both of which I've recommended recently, but I'm going to go with the strong recommendation, which is Avengers number 684. We are getting close to 700 on so many Marvel books. It's not funny. uh, Oh, don't worry. It'll just become number one again soon. (laughs) Um, This is part 10 of No Surrender. And, It's no big spoiler, uh, because this cover has a big green face on it, and we've been waiting for him to come back. This is the return of the Incredible Hulk. I call Uh, it a big
0: house ad, because I've been seeing it in Marvel Comics for a
2: while. It's (laughs) it's like no secret. Um, Although, he's got a new byline, uh, not a byline, a new, uh, new plug, which is the Immortal Hulk, because it goes through, the early part of the book goes through... All the times when he should have died, when he did die, and when he came back, and why should we be surprised that he comes back again? Uh, my God, it was only a couple of arrows uh, that killed him off last time.
0: But it was Bruce, right? Didn't Hawkeye kill him in Bruce Banner form?
2: As Bruce's eye flashed to oh, change into true. the Hulk. Yeah, true. that was that was the trigger, and and this this goes into the conversation that Hawkeye and Bruce had, um, and that's that's cool enough but we've still got a really kick-ass story in no surrender uh the the grandmaster uh versus the challenger um grand cosmic it used to they've did, done this a number of times where they've had these chess games with with superheroes and you know, fighting against each other and which one's backing who um and this has just been a really good one we have we finally get some uh traction on the whole um why can't anybody remember oh, what's her name again uh, I don't know I can't remember victory or you know uh, yeah uh, uh yeah
0: it's all right. voyager
2: voyager yeah a lousy name for a superhero. um now but good. but uh again you know we've got uh we have Mark Wade and uh, Mr. Zub uh pulling a great story together. Uh I I I just think this is this is uh I think it's gonna be it's twelve twelve issues for this whole run. So it's mm-hmm. gonna make a great uh graphic novel as well. I, I would suspect a two part. Yeah, possibly. Yeah.
0: And then once you bought the two trade paperbacks,
2: then they'll the, come out with the
0: then they'll say, Oh, Rick Bretschneider would, would totally fall for an Omnibus edition, too.
2: Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would. It's so cute. Uh, my last one here is uh, Vampironica, number one, in the Arch- Archie Horror line. And the comment I heard at the shop this week was like, you know, every one of these Archie Horror books have been great. Why can't we get Afterlife with Archie back? And I realize it's because the chief creative officer, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, has nothing to do with with Vampironica, and does not have anything to do with Jughead the Hunger, uh, but he is key to um, Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is becoming a Netflix series, and of course he's also overseeing Riverdale, so he doesn't have time to write comics. He hasn't mastered the Jeff Johns art of either not sleeping or cloning himself in order to keep... It, although I should, shouldn't say that because apparently Doomsday Clock went by monthly and it seems uh, like it's already slipping. And it's, but anyway, Vampironica is by Greg Smallwood and Meg Smallwood, and this is an interesting. I realized my my first pass was like, oh, this was a really short read, and I realized no, it wasn't that it was a sh- it was a fast read because it's put together so well in storytelling and panels and using a lot of visual and a lot more than I think it's almost more, more manga esque in some, even though it doesn't look anything like that, but in terms of storytelling uh, and it, and so it really, it's not long on dialogue. It's really an incredible and incredibly beautiful visual book as Veronica lodge uh, is the survivor of a vampire attack on the lodge family and becomes basically the vampire protector. Uh, she herself is a vampire, but the protector of Riverdale, while fighting her own dark urges for blood. So its I thought it, it was a funny idea, great title, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun book, because the first issue was incredibly fun. Fast read, though, and that's what they say, and it's not because they're skimping, it's just because it is told so incredibly well that it's just like, boom, you're through it, and I, I immediately wanted more. So, Vampironica. Let's go to movies, which is two trailers came out this week that uh, probably actually inhibited Rick's ability to get well because what was left of his immune system was completely compromised by these two trailers.
2: Well, I was incredibly excited by these two trailers.
0: I know, I'm saying wait, that should have been used to heal yourself. Instead, yeah. you, you spent it on excitement, and which was, of course, Avengers Infinity War was one, and Ready Player One was the other. So Avengers Infinity War, let's just acknowledge what an amazing uh, trailer. And I don't want to see any more. Again, it's like I don't... I, 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 I'm I, at this point, and I feel the same way with Ready Player One. I'm at this point where don't show me anything more until you've opened the movie. And I just want to see the movie. Let me see that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I did like... Uh, I like I'm, I'm glad they came out with this last trailer. And again, I think we're probably only seeing, and we're not seeing something that's representative of the whole film. That's, And I think that's been the one redeeming thing Marvel has had with most of their trailers lately, that you don't, uh, there's yeah. so much that isn't even in, in a clip there. So I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. And, and we had seen, I think most of, Hey, I shouldn't say most of that trailer, but I think a lot of that footage we had seen pieces of at D23, which was, Admittedly, only people at D twenty three, but it's still like, yes, I feel like in a safe zone of, okay, I don't know too much. It, it's not a surprise to me when you tell me that all the heroes are going to get together and, <laughs> and fight Thanos. Okay, we're there. Uh, there are two notable absences according to the internet, which is Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is nowhere to be found in the trailer, and also noted while mentioned on the on the poster as being in the cast and announced months ago but not speaking or seen would be peter dinklage and so i'm thinking he's got to be is it Cull oblivion whichever one of the of the of thanos's right hand men that we see like i think it'd be a great joke if that was him and saying shh because we're waiting to hear his voice but IMDb, unfortunately, only lists the motion capture actors. They don't mention list the vo- voice actors.
2: Uh,
0: so, like Sean Gunn is credited right now for Infinity War to be Rocket Raccoon, but Bradley Cooper's name is not there on the cast list as voicing Rocket. So uh, I don't know if that's who Peter Dinklage is, uh, but he is on the poster, and so it's one more mystery. And again, I, I, I have a theory.
2: Yes, I have a theory. And this is because when they originally started doing Avengers movies, I wanted them to do the Cree Scroll War, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's just such a well-paced and you know the the, the the depth that goes into the Marvel history is is great all the way back so to the Fantastic Peter Four. Peter Dinklage
0: is going to be Rick Rick Jones?
2: No, 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 no. i, I theory. The, I, my th- skull? No, my theory is about uh, about Hawkeye. So uh, you do you remember what happened in this Cree Scroll War when all was lost? Giant Man was, had had lost the power to grow, but Giant Man was actually Hawkeye. Was Clint Barton? He was Clint Barton, and uh, you know, was the, he Giant he, Man or was he Goliath? He was Goliath. Yeah, he was Goliath because he had the 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 bare midriff. Look, I'm um, just
0: saying. people are listening to us expecting our expertise, so I got to correct. He you, had
2: he had he had lost his growth power, which he had borrowed from Hank Pym anyway. So. Um, right. and he crafted himself bow and arrows while he was on the... I think it was a Kree ship. I don't think it was a scroll ship. Um, and all the rest of the heroes have been captured, and he was pretty much responsible for breaking them out. And I think that that's perfect for for this Black Ops uh, guy to just come from nowhere in the second movie and save people's Well, backup. and that's the assumption, again,
0: they are not really specifically saying that it is a two-part story anymore yeah so i i don't know so that's again the beauty they could very well just say okay and here we go you know cliffhanger and wait two years while they finish you know post-production on the second <laughs> or it could be some other kind of story that opens you know
2: that they, 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 could, they could end like, on right, just yeah. a a big feeling of dread, you know, not necessarily a cliffhanger, you know, and so right. you don't you don't have to wait.
0: The know. interest the interesting thing when you look at, at Marvel's release schedule is of course, you know, three months two months later, we get Ant Man and the Wasp, which is all just fun and games again. So it's hard where where you see Black Black Panther clearly rolling directly into Avengers Infinity War, it's weird. You and and you don't want Ant-Man and the Wasp to be like this dark uh, adventure. You 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 want it to be light and, and fun, but it's kind of weird to follow that Infinity War if Infinity War is indeed a cliffhanger. But I don't know. Again, this is all just speculation, and this is Derek just sitting here saying, you know, uh, this is my storytelling instinct. But who knows? Nobody's paying me for my storytelling instinct, so you know, let's go with it. Let's yeah. go to ready. Let's go to Ready Player One. Oh. uh which i just you know it's uh you know i i think in the months to come or at least until this opens up is we're going to be somewhat at odds because i'm not nearly as enthusiastic about this film as you are
2: what and- got what got me on this trailer had nothing to do i mean the, the trailer itself was, wasn't all that much new what was new in this trailer was the music the music that they they that they threw in there especially um the take on pure, pure imagination which is either from baltic house orchestra or um oh I've forgotten the other name of the the other the band that does it does it but um and it's hinted at in other bits of well they used in, you know, they
0: used it in the first trailer i mean they did use st-
2: notes from from notes it. from it but not not the not the the full orchestrated bit same thing with um with uh oh jump uh and and uh oh oh ghostwriter music that's the other one who did pure imagination uh but take on me and these are these are reorchestrated with full orchestra and just i'm just loving that it's uh the uh the interesting thing is if you go on spotify right now um you can find uh what's his name the author of Ready Player One. Ernest Uh, Klein, Ernest Klein has done his own playlist of all the 80s stuff. I
0: I saw you posted that. And and this is where... Look, I'm I'm with you as far as, oh, I'm looking forward to these cover versions. And and yet, having read the book and feeling like what this movie looks like, and maybe it is just the the sense of the trailer is, look, uh, is that it is just zeroing in on the things we like and 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 so my excitement is more like okay there's a challenge but you even brought the great pop uh, culture director of the 1980s to direct this movie about that's a love letter to pop culture of the 1980s right and and i was thinking about this going was that what happy days felt like to people that were in the 50s Yeah, what I mean is just that, like when, because I was a little kid when that first wave of American graffiti and happy days came through, was that what it was? That nostalgia felt like Uh,
2: because the the nostalgia's the nostalgia's great uh, for me. uh, But the the good thing about Ready Player One is it has a really involving story and and a compelling world beyond you know that this is why people are involved in this VR world and then everything that happens to, uh, that he has to go through to save it. I mean, and then very little of that has anything to do. I mean, functionally, uh, you know, that's why it doesn't matter if it's, it's the iron giant or Ultraman, you know, it's just like, that's just a a character on the field. It it matters
0: to me, but I understand the legal reasons why not, you know, but I'm seeing so many articles this week about, did he get to reference star Wars? Like people are already saying like, Oh, you know, is he going to be able to reference my favorite thing, and and then it's like, why isn't anybody focusing on the story, and <laughs> you know, so that I I understand with you, uh, you know, I enjoyed the novel and I feel that there's something interesting there, though I also have said before like the novel has some flaws in terms of it, you as long as you ignore all the socio political implications of what Oasis is, it. Oasis works perfectly if everybody's American. Oasis doesn't work perfectly if you you include, like, the Middle East. And so that's okay. It's a a fantasy sci-fi story. I'm cool with that. I'm saying all the hype right now is all about the nostalgia instead of, is this an interesting plot? I think there is an interesting plot. I'm hoping that Spielberg has delivered on that interesting story and not just spent time showing us Iron Giant and whoever else and you know I I you know I'll see it. I'm not saying I'm not going to and if it's good, I'm going to be really excited to have walked out of it. I mean, to have seen it and then walked out having <laughs> been satisfied, but I'm not super like, you know, okay. I I'm going to I'm just withholding judgment. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But it's good. It's good because I also feel like you know I don't want this podcast and and our discussions always be like oh we're both just so in love with this you know I, I'm just not I totally I totally get it but I'm I'm over the nostalgia uh, factor because I'm I just want to see new things and and create new things for I don't want to sit basically I don't want to sit in a theater with everybody over forty is this going to touch base with with the people like my son, is he going to be excited about it? Or is he going to be like, oh yeah, that was that movie you made me watch.
2: My, my take on it is that if it's, if it works well, then there'll be so many references that people will then seek out the original source material for those sort of, that sort of thing. You know, it's like Justin hasn't seen, um, never, we never got around to watching, uh, back to the future. You know, I was talking to me the other day, he's not, he doesn't remember it at all we, we, so, we played the card game with him we played a card game you know <laughs> i'm
0: just saying well but then again you know sure and in the 25th anniversary back in the future everybody fell all over themselves On the no, 30th anniversary because that was the more crucial date right um you know right. was falling all, all over themselves already looking back to that and i you know so it's all good we shall see what it, what it should be i'm just afraid of our uh, of our culture eating itself so hard right now and you know let's create something new which is something new which is that we have both fallen in love with that I don't know if it's in danger I want to say this is again a problem of internet reportage Uh, Dan Harmon tweeted out in response to somebody else about hey you know stop doing this and worrying about politics when you have a fourth season of Rick and Morty to write and he said it's hard to write a season that the network has not actually ordered yet
2: I'm so surprised that they haven't ordered it and, and, and the they head- must
0: And the they- headlines have been oh he confirms that you know that it's not renewed and I'm saying that that's not what he said they just haven't ordered it I too am surprised because they just announced in October they're doing an adult swim fest like 3 days in Los Angeles with a video that is Rick and Morty and I can't remember what band because that's music and I'm not as tied into music as I was wo- as I once was and you know so it, it is, well, let's face it, you know, what, two, three weeks ago, McDonald's snuck their Szechuan sauce out and people still found out and mobbed McDonald's. So, you know, it, it is... This you know, is, but uh, let's, let's, let's,
2: let's give them credit, though. You can walk into a McDonald's and get Szechuan sauce right now. It's not hard to get. It's not. No, not at all. The one near <laughs> me, I've I've gone several times in the last, you know, a couple of weeks that uh, they've never had any trouble... With it, oh, so. you
0: know, I, I got the last three in the day that I went.
2: I'm glad, though. They must. They may have restocked. I don't know.
0: I, I, no, I'm glad that they do because to me, yeah. the idea of making something so I'm tired of this too, you know, is making something so elite that the fans can't get it, or legitimately people who like Szechuan sauce can't get it because the fans are freaking out. Um, you know, well,
2: obviously, I, obviously, the Szechuan sauce that McDonald's is doing is has no connection, except for conceptual, to Rick and Morty. The,
0: but the only reason it's back is because of Rick and Morty. That's that's
2: that's true, and and because they screwed up their their original uh, semi tie in. Uh, it's very this is we could we could talk a little bit about the the alternate guerrilla marketing of a of an established company trying to
0: we we already did. There's a podcast uh, months ago about that. <laughs> I,
2: don't know, I mean we could talk much more about it now. The the idea that uh, I can't figure adults Swim must not have a bit of a taste on the. Um, on the marketing of this, because there's so much going on in toys, and God, there there have been four board games, and there's three more that I know that are coming. Um, oh, God, Funko Pops. And- uh,
0: yeah, I, I agree with you. That's what I say. I, I see so much stuff. Here's my take. Here's my my uh, my belief. <coughs> my thought, because I've had since because my son showed me the the the, the headline. And this morning, and I was like, oh, we don't have time to, for me to read up on it, and this, and this afternoon I read, and somebody was all what he actually had said, "And but what I think are, are their things is, they are notoriously slow we know that, as far as writers uh, Dan Harmon has admitted as much uh, he did have a brief um, which, of all the people uh, who had allegations, and, I, I, and that's even too, too light a word uh, because he admitted to it Uh, that that on Community he had harassed a female writer. And he totally copped to it, said it was a completely socially awkward thing where he was absolutely responding in the worst way possible to having affection for her. And, you know, so he threw himself on his sword. And I could see where Adult Swim was like, this might be an awkward time because they've had... They've had people leave because there are no shows. They have had creators leave Adult Swim because Adult Swim had no shows by female creators. Mm-hmm. And so there are actors that will not work with him and so forth. So they've got a bit of a problem. Dan Harmon had a bit of a problem. I don't know if he's still perceived that way or not. It's not for me to say, oh, I'm impressed with Dan's apology. It's for people who would have been affected by <coughs> the apology or and the culture that that uh, Dan, Dan's actions had been part of, and I speak as if, as if we're good friends, we're not, but um, but I know he's he is difficult to work with, and I could see that it, that it might be Justin's also very interested, the co-creator, Justin Roiland, because of virtual reality, has also made statements that he's almost more interested in VR. So it could be like, you know, this has been long threatened with South Park, that there's going to come a day when they don't bother with Comedy Central and South Park. They just release the video games because they can certainly get enough storytelling in, and and I don't know if you played either of the South Park games or the modern ones. You're just controlling an episode. Yeah, the the visuals are identical because of the nature of that one. So you know, virtual reality is a step above. If Justin Roiland just wants to do VR experiences that are Rick and Morty episodes. Uh, that would be a shame because it'd be hard for me to get get into all of them, but yeah, but, I don't know
2: how I don't know how well that works out financially versus spending the same amount of effort on, right, on something but, that you, but, you 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 put into syndication, you sell the DVDs, the Blu-rays, um, versus a video game which has a very limited shelf life, And right, and 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 an audience you know, actually. To me, Rick and
0: Morty is also a lot like Venture Brothers. We're still waiting for another season. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it. It's going to happen at some point. So, you know, Adult Swim's got a lot of cult series like that where they've got creators who the show cannot be done by anybody but those creators, and they're slow. And so maybe this is Adult Swim just kind of waiting to see if, oh, do Dan and Justin really want to come back? So I'm going to also posit something here which is that the way that Rick and Morty ended on season three is one of those things where I'd say, if that's the last episode, true episode we get of Rick and Morty, would that be the worst thing ever? Does it really leave you feeling like, oh, you need to, you know, I need to know what happens next, or is it just I want to know what happens next?
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and on top of that, um, the existing episodes have a lot of rewatch value. I mean, I can... Absolutely. So... I'm not as heartbroken as my son is if yeah.
0: that's the, if that's what happens but I also appreciate it's it's the kind of thing where I would rather that Rick and Morty goes out on a note where we feel like yes there isn't a weak episode I wish there were more but they're not but there aren't any weak ones than to get a season that was rushed or that was like oh they should have stopped and they didn't you know so and I and I, I have a very strong suspicion that's always in Dan Harmon's head too. Uh, so, you know, anyway, it's out there. I felt we should discuss it tonight uh, because it's it's fresh news and for us, it's amazing that we can turn that around and be like, "Ooh, this just happened!" Uh, and have something on it, you know, hard to say about this. So let's let's turn to our Sin interviews and let's turn back to San Jose. The Delightful Cinequest Quest ended last last Sunday and with oh that's right you did not attend the closing night
2: no I was too sorry
0: yeah so it ended with the uh with the documentary on the making of Platoon uh, or kind of like the cast memories directed by one of the cast members uh, brothers in arms and but to me you know that really wasn't anywhere near the strongest film in the festival and I, I just felt like we saw so many cool things I've still got a little you know lineup of emails where people have sent me screeners because i said i I really have to catch up i just could not see watch this i didn't have time to catch it at at, at that and i think probably i I did i haven't really counted up i should but you know i think we did more coverage than we have uh, as far as like article for
2: article Review for review. I think there were more reviews and Well, cover- you were able to be there a lot more this year than you were last that year. That is
0: true. That is true. I was in town the entire two weeks and yeah. only one or two nights that I didn't at least do something. So yeah. uh, once again, exciting an exciting festival and it's gonna end one uh, great you know well, great interviews tonight, not just one great interview, but but certainly there are I can't speak to it but I know that there were uh, distributors circling around certain films and that you know I I liked and I think last week when we talked to uh, the director of Seven Splinters in Time I think that that announcement had come out we knew that because he said by the time we time traveled to when we could release the interview it would have been public knowledge but you're going to be able to see Seven Splinters in Time at a a, you know at least on VOD uh, if you're not in LA or New York but I think I think a lot of films are picking are picking that up, and then we mentioned Prodigy from last year, and then uh, an interview with the director showed up on Inacool News last week. So it's big enough that other sites have started, you know, picking up films like that. So uh, let's focus here, which is uh, first. Uh, this is, does this remain one of your favorites, if not your absolute favorite of, of CineQuest?
2: This is my favorite feature. Um...
0: Uh, and it's a it's a, it's to a
2: tough things. it's a tough one because I really did like Pick of the Litter, but I would watch, and I i I'm, Pick of the Litter was an excellent film. I don't think I'd watch it again though. I'd watch this film. I've already watched this film twice, and I I know I will watch it. You know, yeah. More. Pick
0: of the Litter, by the way, just for listeners, a documentary uh, about uh, the training of uh, guide dogs for the blind. And right. following Bye. a litter of five puppies to see if they have what it takes, I was so delighted. And pick of
2: the litter was done by Dana Ockman. Dana Nachman. And, yeah.
0: and yes, and I, I, I want to say it's Matt Don Hardy uh, is her produ- producing and directing partner. I think I apologize if I get that name wrong. I don't have I don't have my notes in front of me on that one, um, right. but. Uh, you know, Dana, of course, had done Batman, "Bat Kid Begins," which uh, was released through Warner Brothers Home Video. Fantastic! Uh, uh, the Wish Heard Around the World, right? That was the subtitle of right. uh, um, right. and which was a, a great documentary. She's done some some other ones that were also great. "Pick of the Litter" was kind of a pick of Slam Dance, I believe. So that already has a, uh, I think, has a distribution deal. It was brought as as Kaiser's spotlight uh, film this year. Really great, great film. But this, but we didn't talk to Dana. We talked to Dana. We didn't interview Dana. We did talk to the stars of Charlie and Hannah's Grand Day Out, uh, Grand Night Out. I'm sorry, ah, I can't believe I blew that. Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night Out. Uh, and of course, in the interview, we were very careful to make sure we knew how to pronounce their names. So I, I hope I've got this right. A week and a half later, Evelyn Bosmans and Daphne Vellens, yes, uh, the stars of Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night Out. <laughs> so, uh, Roland, really? go ahead. We are. You know, this is a new place for me. Uh, We are in the... uh, It's a lovely place. It is. The press suite at the... It's a magical place. ...California Theater. I didn't know this was here. It's like a hidden room. It is. I have dreams about things like this. And we are with uh, Evelyn Bosmans and Daphne Vellens uh, from Charlie and Hannah's... I want to... I was right. Grand night out. Yeah. I just thought I, I was creating that title in my head. No, it's the actual title, which is probably apropos for the film, from what I understand. Like you know that I'm almost dreaming titles. Yeah.
2: So, um, so the title, the original title, non English, is what's it called?
1: Uh, Charlie and Hannah Can uit.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's shorter.
1: Yes, it's shorter. Is
0: it a literal translation?
1: Mm, no, actually not. It's uh, in Dutch. Is it more like? Um, Charlie and Hannah are going out. Oh,
4: okay.
5: For a night. For a night. <laughs> going out means to go
4: sure. right, right. dancing,
5: clubbing, drinking. Clubbing. No, is
0: that we, that we clubbing. were almost making what was such a short succinct in Dutch, and then the translation's like a paragraph long. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Yes. For a night of clubbing, and then we're going <laughs> to go. <laughs> so, excellent. All right, so, well, tell us about the film, I, because Rick's seen it twice, I have not yet, Mm-hmm. But as we just learned, and we, we're free to say this, you will have U.S. distribution uh, yeah. in October. You're going to be in New York and Los Angeles. And again, as we've been saying... And then Toronto. And then Toronto. Well, that's because of Rye. And, and what we uh, always say about Cinequest is you come here and you see the movies that you're going to wish you saw. Right. And then months later, if you're lucky, you do get to. And so everybody's going to get a chance to see this. And that's very exciting because... You know, obviously, Rick loves this. No, I was work. so
2: excited about this film. I'm telling him, "You gotta go see it!" And I'm like, oh, But all the showings are up City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's true.
1: Yeah. Yes, so it's really glad. I'm, I'm very glad
2: that you got distribution because yeah. I can continue to be ecstatic about it.
0: Yeah. I don't I forgot where I was going with that question, but uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so well, let's say you. Tell us about the film. Uh,
1: the film is about two young women that uh, are going out for one night and. They're, they take a candy and then all kinds of magical things happen.
2: It's not a drug; it's homeopathic. Yes, it's again. homeopathic. That's true.
1: That's, <laughs> that's what Charlie says. Yes, and um, so it's like a
0: C's candy or a charlotte. Exactly. Yes. So it. you go to the chocolate store around the corner here, and yes. Okay.
1: Exactly, and so it's a it's kind of a, a generation portrait, I think, yeah.
2: The um the the film. Has in my in my mind, I kept on flashing on how much it was like a lot of other films. Was there an, an intent mm-hmm. to homage some of the, uh, th- yeah. especially the dialogue and the fact that it's in black and white through most of the film? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Was that yeah, the,
5: the director Bert. He's uh, he's a c- cinephile. Do you say it like cinephile? That? Cinephile. cinephile. Yeah. yeah. He's an, he's also an encyclopédie. Can you say that word? Encyclopédie? No. <laughs> Sometimes I think just. Uh, Flemish say Flemish words with a an, an English <laughs> accent. He's an encyclopedia? Encyclopedia. I would
0: encyclopedia. Go with, uh, I, you know, I will go with an even more pretentious word, which is cineast. Cineast. Okay. Yes. We'll
1: remember
0: okay. that. Okay. that's someone who has an encyclopedic knowledge of cinema. Okay. So cineast. Cineast. All right, he, so he's a cineast.
5: Yeah, he's in love with cinema since he was a child, and he have, I think, seen almost everything. Uh, and he And in the movie... There are a lot of references. I cannot right. name them because it it was too much for us to see everything. I can go everything. through a few
2: because it was like right out of film out of college film class. So it's so like right off the bat. There's Max L- Max Lubitsch, um, as, mm-hmm. as far as like all the stuff through windows and and, the yeah, back, uh-huh. and I love Max or Ernst Lubitsch? I thought it was Max hmm? and yeah, maybe it's Ernst. Yeah, I didn't do well in the class. No, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I only took film comedy. So and then the easiest one is to say like 1980s Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially yeah, especially the dialogue and the, yeah. the you know just the casualness of conversation in bars and on the streets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there was a lot for me. There was a bit of uh, of um, Lynch. Um, oh, David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Or
0: this has been a strong festival for David Lynch films. Yeah. I think because I mean, influence. just
2: not necessarily in his in in kind of the way you dealt with physics mm-hmm. and the way uh, some of the some of the backdrops and some of the, the places you are are not like fully rendered, oh, like especially yeah. your dream sequence, yeah. Daphne, mm-hmm. the, um, and the flying. And I, my, the one scene I just, weren't, I was just insane was when you, you rejoined the group and the way you did, it was your chair just slid yeah. into, oh, yeah. you know, that was, was like, okay. that's just totally magical. And
5: it's the first time yeah. I hear not at all drug,
2: like, you know,
0: Homeopathic. <laughs> Homeopathic. <laughs> Homeopathic. Yeah. Well. So, did you have facing particular challenges with this? Like, did, uh, challenges was about uh, uh, asking. You know, with these influences, did you feel an obligation to know them, or was it just okay? I'm just going to do what you tell me to do.
5: Yeah. No. the 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 references um, it, for for. For us, as actresses, we we saw a lot of things every time we met Bert. Uh,
2: before we shot the <laughs> nice. yeah, really. Very Good. nice. You had to do your homework.
5: Yeah, yes. a lot of films. We yes. saw a lot of things, but there also um, the the references. In is is it a correct word? Reference? Yeah. Yes. In uh, image and stuff, and 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 we. It was too much for us <laughs> So we, we saw a lot of uh, Baumbach uh, Yeah, we saw Frances Ha was a big uh, inspiration for us We are in love with the movie of Noah Baumbach okay. And um, okay, yeah. of course we saw a lot of Woody, Woody Allen films yes. Linklater mm-hmm.
2: Oh, but Richard also Linklater the f-
5: Also some French reference like uh, Eric Romer
2: Did you watch You, you had a sequence, Evelyn um, Where you go into a haunted uh, a house Yes. And it and at that point you sh- they shift from black and white to mm-hmm. blue and red mostly spots which is right out of Hammer films and u- Universal films the horror films and stuff mm-hmm. was Dario, that,
0: Dario and Argento the, we, the Italian yeah. two, right yeah. Yeah. excuse me Dario Argento oh yeah I don't
1: know him so, so I didn't I for the horror uh, sequence I have ne, uh, no Bert, uh, Bert didn't show me a horror movie actually no it was more like yeah, the the Later trilogy, the Before s- that trilogy, that was that was what I really absorbed, like the 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 chatty um, kind of yeah Woody Allen, yeah, like
2: two girls. <laughs> no, it's just so many wonderful little tossed tossed off lines and implications. The brothel scene with the uh, the reference, you know, just the reference to the Bennett sisters, right? Yeah. Just like. Uh, Okay. <laughs> this is a crazy. <laughs> well, so out of all the homework, were there films that stuck in
0: your minds as now that you go, oh, now that I'm not working on a movie, I might go back and enjoy this film? And It's not homework?
1: I enjoyed every single film Bert gave to me. Oh, really. bet it's, bet it's i Bert's not going to listen. No, it's no, no okay. I <laughs> know, I know. But I mean it. I mean it because yep. I'm not a, a, a cinef-
3: cine- cinephile. Cinephile.
1: cinephile. I'm not a cinephile, so I didn't have this knowledge, and it was m- an amazing door that opened for me. So I enjoyed every part of it. Actually, every movie I take with me. Daphne, how about you?
5: Yeah, there are some uh, directors he learned. He um, yeah, how do you say? It? We know because of mm-hmm. Bert, and I'm like Noah Balmach. I'm I'm following him now. Mm-hmm. Also, Greta Gerwig. Who just made Lady Bird? Lady Bird yeah, it are all um, um, movie makers that I know because of Bert, and I I love them now because of him, and I I I will keep following uh, them and, and what they make.
0: What drew you to acting? Sorry. What drew you into acting?
5: Um. You <laughs> you <laughs> when <laughs> I when I was Each a, a was child. Your... <laughs> okay. No. I, when I was uh, three or four I already said I wanted to be a movie star <laughs> But then I started to do ballet And I wanted to be a dancer um, And then in the end I became an actress And I think We uh, talked about it yesterday actually That wh- you probably are
1: born as an as an artist And which way you're going to go That's what life does Like it's I could have been a journalist like you, or I or um a dancer or a, and it life shows you with. but you want to tell a story. you I think some people are mm-hmm. born to tell a story. It's a, a creative story. impulse. Yeah, and and then you see what what's it? It could have been drawing cartoons.
2: Have you ever had a night that was close to that in real life?
5: <laughs> to that night?
2: Do you guys do you guys go out and enjoy the town together and
5: yeah, but we we eat a lot. <laughs> we really like to eat, so every time we meet, we go to a place we want to discover, or to the same place we already went ten times because the Thai food is so good. And then we eat. Mm. We eat so much that <laughs> at <laughs> eleven we're like, Some sometimes we go dancing, but
1: we. Um, we're not more. so destructive, I think. I think Charlie yeah. and Hannah are very dest- destruct- self destructive,
2: y- y- and y- you're 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 blissful and happy through the whole film. But the men around you don't fare so well. The, you know, the, getting blown up in the evening is not something a guy goes out to. So I mean, was that did was? Do you think there was a, a any kind of point to that, or was it just for comedic value? Or you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. So. Um,
6: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know, sorry. you, you torture it.
2: poor Fonzie, right? You, you test him. Yeah, yeah. And and he ends up exploding. Mm-hmm. And oh, then, yeah, okay. And then I've forgotten the gentleman that you meet and go off with. Um,
1: Fonzie, that's the same guy. Is that guy, Fonzie? Okay, right, guy. right. Yeah.
2: Um, who loses his arm?
1: Uh, um, that's Vincent. Vincent.
2: Vincent. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's not the greatest evening for some of the guys there, oh, but that's uh, but true. they they do seem to keep. Uh, they do seem to keep a, a level head in that.
5: Yeah, they they vibe. love us and they want to be with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fonzie doesn't love me, but he does love uh, Charlie, and he wants to hang out with her because he thinks she's fascinating, and she's like. Yeah, if you want to follow me, okay, follow me, but <laughs> I'm not going to investigate but in you. But
0: they're dangerous. Charlie and Hannah then are, are somewhat dangerous to the men. I think that's the heart of Rick's question. Is that purposeful? Are they dangerous mm. to the men around them?
1: They are not on purpose that they are dangerous. I think they are hysterical, mm-hmm. and they um, have these theories, and that's how they cope with life. Um I think they're dangerous to themselves and oh. not really to the guys surrounding him. I think the guys are in this movie much more simple and 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 really um straightforward and and these two girls are so complex with all with all their um yeah um self consciousness and theories and and that's how that's how we have to live and or know maybe like this and in yeah they are, on the inside, or are they just these hysterical <laughs> 20-something girls who want to be loved?
2: Yeah, and, and to be clear, all the all the things that happen to the men get reversed, and they seem to be he none the worse jealous. for it, and yeah. they, they continue hanging out. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. it, and it has a, has a definite comic value to well, it.
0: Well, it sounds like there's an interesting question here. Would you say, so this is it, uh, from Belgium, you say the 20-somethings, as we call them, the millennials here in the U.S., do you see differences culturally between are there European? Do they even say they're millennials in, in Europe?
6: Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. Yeah, we do.
0: So is there yeah. a difference? Are, are you seeing? I mean, I know you've just come to the U.S., but are people talking to you about, oh, yeah, we're just like this over here? Or
5: There are definitely differences, I think but yeah, we don't know them very good because I I, I don't know the American millennials. Uh, but there are also a lot of things in common, I think. If I see the series and films that have been made the last years about millennials, and, and mm-hmm. like Frances Ha is a good example, uh, a lot of uh, themes mm-hmm. yes. uh, are the same. Yeah. We're yeah. struggling with... The same thing,
2: it's funny how our experience is always through film of, of other countries first, and then we go there and we try and match the film. Yes, up with it's these
1: true. People. It's we have a <laughs> it's uh, something stupid, but no, in Gilmore us. Girls, uh, they they sorry. always drink coffee. Mm-hmm. And we in <laughs> we love Gilmore Girls in Belgium, and um, <laughs> we are always this like just
0: in, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, that's great.
1: And we are like, Oh, those coffees look so much better. In Gilmore Girls, then we then we drink coffee back in Belgium. Now we come to America, and we that's why I, I asked an extra espresso shot uh-huh. uh, before
2: because it's too weak otherwise. Yes,
1: yeah. it's so it's it looks like it's very strong, powerful coffee in the series, <laughs> yeah. and it is really, <laughs> really <laughs> it, tastes, it's like it tastes like tea with uh, uh, yeah. coffee.
5: <laughs>
1: coffee flavored tea. In Europe, <laughs> we really drink strong coffee. No, too. you know,
0: really, uh, I I have. Started realizing this too. You have to go to higher end restaurants and have like the coffee at the end of the night, almost like the dessert coffee, and that gets a little closer to a little more attention to, 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 to European. Yeah. Uh, oh. Or I, I'm, I'm going to put it in. You know, McDonald's. That's actually McDonald's has the best coffee. Oh, really? Which is really weird in taste tests. It is.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. such it's a good a tip. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: and it's a and it's a buck. Yeah, and, and you can email me later and say I was full of crap, but still. <laughs> okay. So then another recommendation back. Uh, do you have a particular homeopathic candy that you would recommend to
1: our <laughs> listeners? I will give it to you in secret. I uh, have a, some oh, of them in my part. Oh, dear.
0: You can do a
2: taste test and report on it. Well,
0: once again, really glad my son does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> so uh, we, we do want to say, again, uh, Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night Out coming out in October in New York and Los Angeles and rolling out regionally, we hope. Um, and... Thank you for coming here, and thank you for bringing us this film.
1: Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us.
0: That was a delightful conversation. I'm using delightful a lot tonight, but that's how I feel. You know, a week later, I'm still feeling like, you know, it's just really fun to meet all these, every year I, I feel this way, but really to meet all these filmmakers. and
2: actors. They were headed to L.A. I'd really like to hear what their travels in Los Angeles were like. I uh, know yeah. it
0: was only two days uh, that, that, that much I remember. So you know we sure. were all throwing in things like, "Well, you could do this, you could do this," and it's not a lot of time to experience LA. And um, so uh, next up, uh, which you reviewed this film, uh, a dark and I will say a dark and disturbing film, a psychosexual fairy tale is how they wanted me to call this, and I think that's fair, but but. It's definitely a psychological. I don't even want to say thriller. Uh, I was. I, I. I will say this. the film is Seeds, and it's directed by Owen Long and starring his brother Trevor Long, uh, who is on Netflix's Ozark. And on the closing night, I sat uh, at a table at the Maverick Meetup with attendees who had seen Seeds, and uh, Sal Pizarro was sitting next to me, and we were kind of just laughing. Because a discussion about what, whether or not the monster in Seeds was real. And it was just fantastic. I'm like, this is exactly. So it is, it is a really good film. It's just a really disturbing film. And in a rare moment of emotional sensitivity towards you, I said you probably shouldn't watch it. So it's not a film for everybody. But it was an interesting conversation with the director, Owen Long. And, and he was the story creator, he was not ultimately the screenwriter, but, but Owen directed his brother Trevor in this film, and so we sat down at the Fairmount uh, one night with Owen and Trevor and discussed Seeds. We are at the fabulous Fairmont lobby. I'm here with brother act, Owen Long and Trevor Long, Owen being the Director and story mastermind Mm of *Seeds*, Uh, definitely one of the most haunting films of this year's Cinequest,
4: and uh, Trevor Long being the star. So, good evening, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm glad you got a chance to uh, uh, watch our world premiere at uh, the California on uh, Saturday night. And um, you know, it's it's what a unique and and, and fabulous experience it is to be a part of Cinemas. And uh, you know, I, I, I feel so uh, so excited to you know have it premiere here and have people be able to audiences be able to experience a film that we've spent some time you know putting together and crafting and 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 trying to you know put it out uh, out there in the world and see how how people respond to it. Yeah,
6: now
0: what was the gestation period on this?
6: Uh, Decades?
4: (laughs) No, I'd say the gestation period was, uh, you know, we spent uh, a a, a bit of time writing the script. I wrote the original story, um, and then we brought in a screenwriter, uh, Steve Wiseman, um, that we met through a mutual connection uh, through Mary Stuart Matheson, Barnyard uh, Barnyard Pictures, I believe is her name production was the name of her company and um it was you know he had sent me a couple scripts that he'd worked on and it was really this one that was uh a story between a brother and a sister and that really kind of connected with me it was a comedy and i saw that he was you know there was something that it was really i i related to even though it was a comedy and we're telling a story that is a much uh Different tale, that is a, a darker psychosexual fairy tale. Um, but yet, there was the essence of what was in his script that I felt that was going to really be able to complement the story that I wanted to tell. And I think that uh, I think that we, at the end of the day, I think that we we did what we needed to do, and it ended up where it needed to go. And I, I couldn't be more. You know, more excited and more pleased with what we have and what's going out there into the world.
0: Now did you always mm-hmm. intend that this would be a starting vehicle for brother? I wrote the part yeah. for my brother. And did you have any input on that or it was just sort of he came to you one day and said, I want you to play a very, very troubled man.
7: He brought that on me and I saw the script and I and I looked at it and I said, This is a very dark, deep role. I don't know if I can do it, and we talked about that. We, we had uh, many uh, sessions about can I do this? Can I? Can I? Can I pull this off? And there was concern. I mean, it was a very deep, dark role, and uh, and then when I read the script, I said, "This is something I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I can do it." And we, you know, we worked through
4: it. I mean, on that, I mean, I I think for any actor, I don't care where you are at what particular point in your career, um, it is something that was daunting and challenging, and and it was so rewarding as this being my first film to be able to work with my brother, who's such a seasoned actor, who's been on Broadway, who's on Ozarks right now, uh, for, you know, going into season two and, to, and to, to just have the faith that he was going to be able to step into the shoes of this really troubled, tormented character. And I think for any actor that was going to be, you know, looking at how they were going to go about tackling this, this character's struggles... And there, where where that character started out, and where this character was going to go, I think was was going to be challenging. And he rose to the you know to the challenge, and it was like I think for him as an actor, having to you know place his faith in me as a first time director, um, I I I I, I, it was just a wonderful experience. Um, And actually, my son um, ended up playing. you know, one of the one of the key characters in the film as well, and you know, I I, I worked on this story with my wife, who was a producer on it, and um, she really kind of helped us create the Lily character, which is really the story between Lily and Marcus is, is the is the crux of the story uh, uh, as a whole, and it's not a it's not a it's not an easy tale to tell and I think that we brought in uh Andrea Chen who is you know was was an actress that has not uh she was in boyhood but had a small part and and it was someone who was brought to my attention from my DP when we were trying to find the right actress for this part and I, I couldn't be more excited more blessed with the chemistry that uh, was created with all three of these major actors. The, you know. And let me ask you, Trevor, was yeah. that
0: awkward? Because it, it is this <clears throat> uncle niece dynamic and something darker. And i say that was difficult for you to approach, right? So, what was your comfort level with you? The, with the
7: well, you know, I, I, I just wanted to make sure that she was comfortable with what, what we're doing. I mean, you know, it's obviously it obviously was a. A level of uh, depth that we were going to go into, and we worked on it. We we did we did what we you know we, we, we approached the scenes, and they worked with her, and she got comfortable. And so my key was my key point was, is she going to be comfortable doing what we're doing on this level? And she did because we worked through the scenes and we, we rehearsed them, and she got there. I thought you know. I thought the comfort level was fine.
4: I thought I, I thought it was good. Did you take a lot of rehearsal time? I I, I did, and uh, uh, it was such an important part of the process. And I think there's actually, out of all, I mean, this is an independent, low budget, um, you know, film, and I didn't have the luxury of um, of doing. Uh, you know, reshooting a scene, and there was one scene uh, in particular that I was such a poignant part of the filmmaker uh, of the story that I I just said that, as a director I said I don't think we got what we needed to get, and I need to reschedule this scene, and we found a way to make it happen, and and I and it ended up being you know uh, the you know it ended up being the. What was in the, the final cut, um, and I—I I think that I asked a lot from my actors. I asked a lot from my from my brother. I asked a lot from Andrea, and even my son um, to try to tell this difficult tale.
0: Uh, when you were conceiving of this, the idea for the creature, whatever the creature may be, because it's—it's changed it's Was that in your original story? You already knew fully formed what this thing was.
4: I think that any story that you tell takes on different manifestations of you know what you where you start out and where you end up is a metamorphosis, um, and the creature and the creature's role in this story is one that has shifted and, and, and changed and, and, and it has it played a different place in the story and for the characters in the story um, as it's evolved. But ultimately um, it has found its, its, its home in both Marcus Lily's and even Spencer's psyche to be what I think it ultimately needs to be. So Trevor, now you've done. You've got this
0: film. You've been in several films. Yeah. Uh, Ozarks doing yep. TV. Yep. Uh, and Owen mentioned Broadway. So the stage actor, which do you prefer
2: being in?
7: You know, I gotta say. I mean, outside taking this film right off yeah, the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be unfair. Yeah, of course.
2: <laughs>
7: uh, I gotta say, uh, I like TV. I know I'm, I'm, I might be spoiled. I like the television aspect I like that you that you're in a situation where you got to get it quick. They're going to give you the script and you have to learn it. And you know, you're not you don't have a lot of time to think about it. And there's not a lot of rehearsal and you just you just have the character and if you're in that you got the character and you do it. So, I like television for the fact of the quickness um the 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 surprise of it when you get the script and you're just you don't have time to overthink it you don't have time to you don't have time to overrehearse it you're just you've got to get your your game on and you have to do it so I really like the television aspect over theater on that on that respect and for a film like this was it yeah. hard to put Marcus away at the end of the day no no. It wasn't hard to put Marcus away at the end of the day. I mean, I had to go to that place of darkness. But at the end of the day, when I shoot, I'm doing it. And then when I'm done, I can be myself and crazy, goofy. I don't need to bring that thing home with me at all, no
0: you guys are enjoying CineQuest I, I need to put the plug in at the I, end too
4: absolutely <laughs> oh, I think this is th- amazing a fantastic festival um, and I, I think that they really cater towards cutting edge film directors, producers and the projects that they get behind I don't think too many other festivals would take that chance with them. and where are seeds going next so further on the f- festival circuit I w- we will see what our what our destiny uh, has in in store for us is yet to be determined. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Trevor, Thank for sitting you. down. And
0: uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your stay here and we'll see you again.
7: All, All right. right man.
0: That was fun and it was it was great hanging out with the longs on Several nights. I, the, every year, there's like filmmakers that I just keep bumping into, and I'm, I'm always glad to. It's just it's funny. Like every day, man. I saw I saw Owen and Trevor, and you know it was it was good. It was it, it really really nice guys, and he gave me a. I, I can't remember if in the. No, it was after the interview he we started debating like what's your favorite book of all time and so he he emailed me a couple days ago with i was talking about this book you got to remember this one so i got some more things to my reading list and uh i hope i get to them oh and i i I haven't yet but i but i promise i will read that book and the the last interview we got for this was uh, for a short uh a ghoulish little piece uh and you saw this right you did go to the mind oh yeah no. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, Pie, which was kind of uh, a riff off of. Uh, it's a very
2: stylish, ghoulish little piece.
0: Yeah. It was, it, oh, I loved it. Very stylish. Uh, and almost like an Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and uh, fr- uh, written, directed, and starring Adria Tenner, uh, who also, you'll hear in the interview, is a restaurateur and owns four restaurants with her husband in Los Angeles which I haven't been a, had a chance to get down and check any of them out yet, but I'm you in the interview which ones they are. Not a one of which, ironically, apparently serves pie. So, and maybe safely. I, I don't know. Because Good thing. You, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because she says she she really makes a great pie. So I, I, I want to say that. but uh, So I sat down at the Continental with Adria Tenner and her co-star, and they had both actually been on Mad Men together, Jessica Paré, And... Jessica was fun as heck. And so was Adria. I don't mean to sell anything straight. But um, it was a great conversation. I really loved meeting both of them. And and once again, thank you, Cinequest. This was fun. So, Adria Tenner and Jessica Perret. So, we are here at the Continental with Adria Tenner and Jessica Perret. Adria is the writer, director, baker, co-star of <laughs> Pi. And Jessica is co-star and, and General That's Muse. It. Okay, I, you know, let's give you some. Um, so, would I be giving anything to say? Kind of a horror short. Let's give it that. Genre-ish. Yeah. Gen- genre-ish. Yeah, All right, ish. yes. Uh, so what was your inspiration?
6: Everyone keeps asking me that because it's an easy, um,
0: easy, lazy question to ask.
6: I am very inspired by my um, Gwyneth Paltrow cookbooks. I don't know. I know that's a weird answer, but she likes to spiralize things, and she gets excited about spiralizers. Um, cool. I did not
0: know that until watching this film.
6: So. <laughs> I love to make pie. I'm a really amazing pie maker, and um, among other things. Oh, you're thank you. Amazing at making other things. I love to cook, and um, I wanted to. Uh, I, I, my my ambition is always to put more women on screen and to um, rewrite the archetype of of the of the way the things play out for women. So,
0: did you write the with the with Jessica in mind?
6: I did. I, I didn't tell her that I was doing that. It just happened. You and did
8: it after when, once when, when you, I was done, yeah.
6: yeah. like Then I was like, oh, I wrote this with her in mind, and if she doesn't do it, I'll be really sad. <laughs> but she did it, so that was really great.
8: Yeah, I mean, she uh, sent me the script saying, you know, I've written this thing with you in mind, and I said, yes. <laughs> and she was like, so would you see? like to read it? And I was like, sure. <laughs> But um AJ is, is, is somebody well we've we knew each other from working on Mad Men and we became friends after that and and uh you know, generally I try to find ways to support uh female filmmakers and my friends especially, obviously. Um, but so given the opportunity to work with her on something that she had written and that she was directing, it was like, absolutely, I'm down.
0: So you brought up production design and a costume in particular. Now you mentioned that both dresses were yours last night, uh, Adria. <laughs> yeah. But I also thought watching it the first time, not really knowing any of the background, it felt like it was almost like playing off the images of Mad Men. Yeah. You know, was that conscious, or just those happen to be the dress you your head?
6: Um, I think that's kind of my my world and what I like and what I tend to play. I think that's why I got cast on Mad Men, and probably why Jessica got cast on Mad Men. We sort of fit in that in that world, and I'm attracted to that that sort of um, '50s repressed housewife <laughs> <laughs> stepfordish
0: could do a really interestingly subversive sitcom on this.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh yeah, we could do we could do pie the pie the series. Love that. Uh,
8: the, the subversion is the interesting because I think you know it, given the, the discussion that's going on mm-hmm. culturally at this point, um, it's uh, and you know by the way we we di- we started we shot it a year ago. Right. And you started writing it before that. Right. Um, so the language that we have now to discuss the uh, feminist issues that are in the news all the time, like, weren't necessarily as, like, tripping off the tongue <laughs> at that point right? right, right. Exactly. as they are now, um, but it, it's, it, and so, it, like, to me that makes it more interesting, like, that that the uh, sort of expectation of, of femininity, um, the idea of what it is to be a woman and a wife, and um, that it's so like uh, trapped, trapped in that like iconic sort of madman that uh, madman was playing with as well, right? But yeah. like the that idea of woman um, is so when subverted so, so dangerous
0: yeah well it brings up an interesting question if you shot this a year ago and now so much has changed well I'd like to believe so much has changed in the culture so much the- has been
6: exposed okay that's a better <laughs> phrase for it yeah. would
0: you have approached anything differently if you were starting it now
6: Um I don't I don't know probably not because I
8: mean as you say as you put it like it is like things have changed in our things have been exposed yeah yeah and and the dialogue that has been happening by the way for decades like but now it's much more mainstream than it has ever been and people are. Using terms like intersectional feminism, and <laughs> in, in a way like easily, and not, and in less like fear of less judgment. But right. 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 the fact of the matter is, uh, the culture has has yet to change. Really, like the culture has yet to like we can talk about um, hashtag me too and all that stuff. But it, but it's our push for. Change that is going to actually change these things, and I think a lot about it in the sense that we're like in film and TV, like we make culture in a way. You know, like we we mm-hmm. provide
5: the mirror stereotypes. For yeah. We look at
8: it exactly, and and so I think that changing the conversation. Changing the conversation um, like has got to start with telling stories yeah. that actually do give you a different perspective on the conversation. Yeah,
6: I, I feel like I don't think that I would have done anything differently. I just think it might be viewed differently um, if I had oh, made so it true. now. I don't, you know, I mean, in a way I feel blessed, I think, because I think... It's starting, you know, we are starting to submit this as our world premiere, so it's starting to go out into the world at a really interesting time. So I'm going to ask
0: that the future of something like this, which I think is also beautifully shot, we were just talking about production design, but I love every aspect, and it played so much more vibrantly on a big screen than my monitor. Thank you for giving <laughs> me this theater but it's <laughs> thought so much more. Um, so yeah, what is the future for you For Pi? For Pi.
6: Well, we, I I didn't, I don't know if I told you, but we got into Cleveland. I saw a Facebook. Oh, good. Yay! (laughs) Yay, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm like really excited, so that's really cool. But like, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. There's some other festivals. Um, I'm not allowed to say one of them quite yet, so we've gotten into one more.
8: Um, I think the bigger question is uh, you know, what's the future for Adria? in her storytelling no that really is that's made, what you really meant that, that to is ask. the bigger
0: question okay. well it is I get somewhat frustrated watching shorts and podcast listeners probably heard me say this a thousand times is I see a great short and then I don't know who else is going to get to see it mm-hmm. and where they're going to find it and that frustrates me when I see someone so obviously in control of what they want to say and what they want to do And then, hey, I saw it. Great! Man, you should have seen that. Uh, You never can. Or you'll see it on YouTube, maybe, or Vimeo. I don't know. You know. So,
8: I do think there's an interesting. Sorry to trip you. uh, I I do think there's an interesting thing about um, short film uh, right now. Like, given the fact that we're all so obsessed with our phones, and we all spend so much time, like just, and I, I'm so guilty of it. I, I, I love looking at my phone. I love it, you guys. Like, it's so... And our attention It's just so, like, all the stress just leaves me. But, but the attention span, I think, is, like, shorter. And I, I have a two-year-old boy, and I have not watched any film or any TV series since he was born. Like, I have not consumed any... Culture in that sense um, and so you should watch this thing called
0: Pie because it's really I'm, good I
8: am going to watch <laughs> okay. this is this is so to it tonight and I'm so excited to discover it
0: Yeah,
6: I hope she likes it
0: she's going to be live tweeting through the whole she's
6: thing she's going to love it
0: or playing um, words with friends I'm not sure what she's going to do or
6: watching some short content on <laughs> her <Yeah>. phone <laughs> <laughs> but I do have think that's have you seen
2: those- three friends they're great
6: I do think that there's like this,
8: like given our our current uh, cultural attention span, I think at least there's a place for short film because yep. we like everything is so precious. Like we, when you have ten minutes or less to tell your story, you have like every image, every shot, every word is at a premium. Like there's nothing that's. Like in features or in certainly in TV, which I'm doing a lot of right now. Like it's there are things where you're like, doesn't this ma- matter? Nobody cares. Okay, nobody cares. <laughs> no. <laughs> and in in shorts, th- you
6: can't afford that.
8: You know, everything matters and everything tells us, tells the story. It has to,
6: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. And we hopefully will then uh, see a short film that we like by a woman and invest in her to do a feature. Yes, and <laughs> we would really. be someone else. So you have an <laughs> idea,
0: you would... I, I could see a feature. You've also got a reverse thing I want to talk about, which is that you are a restaurateur as uh, well. Yeah.
6: <laughs> by, by, is that how that also, word is pronounced? Restaurateur.
0: It is. It is today. How uh, do you
6: pronounce it?
8: No, it's just i like, I. I've always seen it. I, we read it, and then never I said it. it out loud. Yeah. I
0: understand. I. I just barrel through and hope to God no one corrects. Oh yeah,
6: yeah totally. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Somebody Absolutely.
8: broke up with me correcting my pronunciation of. I don't even know how it's actually pronounced. Nihilism. Nihilism.
0: Nihilism. I think. But again. I'm not sure because I've heard people say it both ways. So I think,
8: right. you can so I, think I said nihilistic, and he corrected my pronunciation during his breakup of me.
7: Well, then you know what? Rejection <laughs> is protection. You were right to exactly. up with him. i going to tell the story for now. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah.
3: shouldn't
0: have been with that. Rewriting. Story. Rewriting. Rewriting. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about your writing. Because I was thinking, I was like, Yes, you make great pies. Do I want to eat at your restaurant or will (laughs) I
8: be Oh, that's funny? No, I mean, you definitely do. Okay, let's talk about them. Okay, you have two,
6: don't
3: you?
8: I have four. Four? Good God! Oh, you have four. That's right.
0: IMDb is behind. Oh, yeah.
6: Gotta update that.
0: You have four. Tell me about it.
6: Well, let's see. The first one is called Barbricks. Should I I talk about Barbricks? Sure. That's how we met, really. Like, that's how we bonded.
8: I, Barbourgs is down the, the, uh, road from my house and I love it. I eat there probably once a week, <laughs> sometimes more. Um, and when, I, when my baby was born, I oh. sent my parents to dinner there and they came back with like all this food <laughs> as a gift from Adrian and, and Claudia. It it's Los Angeles. I'm sorry. Silver Lake. Yeah. Silver Lake. Yeah.
6: yeah. Okay. yeah.
8: yeah. Um, but it's, Jessica Absolutely told me delicious. that when she comes,
6: she feels like it's so her place that when she goes into the bathroom, she tidies the bathroom sometimes. I do. Sometimes, it's true. she feels like it's like her house. So you go to this
0: place and you see a starlet
7: uh, tidying up. <laughs> it's like it's Real, I'm,
8: like, cleaning. Like, it's not like I'm on, like, hands and knees with a...
6: No, she's just, just, like, brushing things. But know? like
8: yeah. I'll, like, replace the toilet paper <laughs> and then, like, light the candle again if it's gone out. <laughs>
0: Okay, that's barbecue, so then you have three more. Okay, so then we.
6: No, no, no. Um, uh, The second one is called uh, Market Provisions. It's a farm to table place in West Hollywood. Have you ever been there? I haven't yet. She doesn't go. West of Western, I don't think, unless she okay. has to.
0: Which I get. Which I get. am asking for a friend who might be wearing a Mickey Mouse jacket. But anyway, go ahead. Go okay,
6: ahead. <laughs> um, and then we have also Alacqua, which means Atwater in Italian, and so it's in the Atwater neighborhood of Los Angeles. It's okay. an Italian restaurant, mm-hmm. and then we just opened been and there. And Jessica's been there, been there several it's, times. It's east of Western.
8: Although I like one time I was there, and uh, there waiter was like what am I he was like uh, well premium means pasta and I was like mm, "No, does first <laughs> yes oh my gosh oh we just
0: got someone fired on this podcast <laughs> no. no he
8: was so cute he was like uh, oh well okay, he was cute that to- changed everything no he was like you're totally right I don't know <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, that's really adorable. That is, it was okay, so cute. So, whoever uh, you are, uh, your job was just saved. Jessica saved your job. Uh, Alecco okay. is delicious, also, and we have the crazy um, happy hour. Yeah, we have full bar there. Yeah. Yeah. We like that. Oh, yeah. Cocktails. Mm-hmm. And then the last one we just opened a couple months ago is called Côte Est, and I'll let J- maybe Jessica should say the name of it because she can pronounce. Côte Est, no, it says super. C'est parfait. See, it sounds much so better
8: when I, she says am it. Am I having
0: a stroke? It, what just happened? No, 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 no I'm, no, I'm speaking in, in French, right. my darling. Oh, oh
8: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sounds just, so nice. It's like we're in, at the Toronto Film Festival. All, all of a sudden, uh, no, yeah, they do that there.
8: I think you might be thinking of Can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's Montreal. No, but I'm. I'm told I know that the, Yeah, it's not the same. Just I'm told with that you. by people. I know. I know that's how it goes between us. We've had an afternoon. Uh, so <laughs> I get it. Uh, so Jesus. anyway, Jesus. this new place, which is it's just, French. Oh uh, <laughs> Cote S. It's
6: Co- so good. Cote-S. I've I had dinner there twice. And where is it? Um, that's it's in, in Highland, Highland Park. Park. Highland Park. Okay. Cote S. Means East Side. Says Jessica because I asked her. I want to make sure that we named it right. There was, yeah, there was some discussion
8: of like, you know, it, it shouldn't be Cote Est, but the, like coat Est is like the left side of the hill. Yeah.
6: Or like <laughs> the east, east side of coast the coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Do any of these serve cherry pie?
8: Not at the moment. Not the way we serve it. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not asking for that. Uh,
0: <laughs> Which, by the way, again, everyone should watch Pie.
8: Decidedly not vegan.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not vegan. So it's the
0: shortening. It's the Crisco. It's not... Um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> you need to open a fifth restaurant, which is your gore. The pie restaurant. Your bakery, perhaps. Yeah, in um,
6: all my spare time. I'll just whip What do you, do you up? like Cote Gore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like it. Côté. I like it.
0: There's something. Uh, maybe a Hitchcock-themed restaurant.
6: Cote Flesh. <laughs>
8: We got it. That might like, be the wasn't name there a of our yes. flesh. There was a cafe
0: Flesh. Was <laughs> there? I think it's a French film. Was there? Yes. I can I will look it up after we finish. Not here.
8: believe that there wasn't.
0: <laughs> yes. So anyway, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Enjoy the film, and uh, well, we're time traveling this podcast. So I think we can say, say that you did uh, make it to the best of shorts. Yes. Is it
6: really happening? It that's is. what he said it's, it's well, time I travel we're just they saying just that tell because he's not going to play that later. Right? I'm sorry say what oh we didn't say anything. we're time
0: traveling since the podcast won't be till. oh yeah you're, you're, you're great yeah. we made yeah. A, oh, you're 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 a special announcement we made a special announcement which is not oh special God, you're, not, you're
7: not great they're great I know that I know
0: that hey everybody Mike Rabel who gave me monkey shoulder on the last podcast? So uh, anyway, uh, he's kind of you. the show. It's, it's what he does. He's really the pusher. It's like you know, he's the candy man. Uh, so <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much, thank India Tenner and Jessica Pare. Best of luck for the future of this feature and uh, this short. But I mean, that was I time traveled yeah. again so You're that I get to, talk to you, I get to talk to you when the feature is happening because it's going to happen, okay? okay? Or I'll show up at a restaurant. I don't know which one will <laughs> happen first, but it will happen. All right, thanks. Sure. Thank you again, Adria and Jessica, and thank you to Mike Rabel at Cinequest and everyone at Cinequest who allowed us to take part. And let's do it again next year. Had a great time. So, of course, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. We're going to wrap up for this episode. Uh, we I think we'll, we said we will record again later this week when Rick is feeling better, and there will be more. I think we will have at least one live guest at least try to set that up. So, that that's on me, and we'll see how that goes, but I look forward to talking again with a new What's in the Bag, and I'm sure that uh, there'll be a lot of news this week and we'll, we'll go back to like your regularly formatted uh Fanboy Planet podcast and thank you so much for listening. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com.
2: And I'm Rick Press Center reminding you to use your, your powers for good.